Ladies and gentlemen, Graffiti Talk Radio. Talk Radio, home of the hip-hop backstories. This your boy, Fresh, along with my partner in crime, Bumble Club. Bumble Club, where you at? Right here, homie. You know the deal. Yeah, yeah. And uh, our guest today is uh, Boss Hall CPO. Uh, hardcore hip-hop heads know him from the hit Ballad of the Menace. But, uh, many of them know him from uh, Tupac's Picture Me Rolling. He's going to tell us about his music career, starting with the, the days at Ruthless and where it led to the day. So, Boss Hall, it's good to have you on the show, man. Oh, man, I appreciate you having me. Thanks a lot. Yeah. So, uh, you know, starting out, where where was you born at? And where was you born and where you grew up at? Oh, man, born in Los Angeles, California, raised in L.A., mostly Compton. Okay. Uh, California. You dig? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So uh, when, when did you decide to get into music? Uh, you know what, man? Uh, I guess um, yeah, what happened was <clears throat> I used to watch my brother and uh, get ran in this cat named Chip um, from uh, Indian uh, Impossible. He used to always stand in front of Ran's house rapping. And I was like, I used to tell him all the time, man, why don't you get a real job? And then <laughs> you know, the next thing I knew, there was, was a real job. I was like, what's that about? So, you know, the uh, next thing I knew, I was, trying to get down, and uh, I guess I got led into it just from watching the rap every night. Yeah. Okay, so uh, so so you was already coming around MC Ren during the, during the emphasis of your rapping days, huh? Oh, yeah, man. I've been on Ren since, like, forever. I used to have, way back in the day, I used to teach him and some of the homies in the hood kung fu. So they used to be in my house. I have them all on the roof. Eyes closed, jumping off to get open the eyes till they hit the ground. <laughs> you know, just I've been forever, you know. So yeah, you know, when I when I first started getting into rap, I was like, okay, cool, cool. You know, y'all like y'all doing that run DMC thing, that's cool. And uh, before I knew it, they had cut out a whole new genre. Who, like, who even knew? I did not. You could not see that coming. You know. Right. Wow. So this this was like right before uh, the NWA had hit, huh? Oh, yeah, man, long before that. Long before I've been on Randall since they was young, young. You know, wow. we're all young. You know, I used to kick with his brother and be over his house and, you know, trying to talk to his sister. Not going to happen, but still trying. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I've been on that whole family for years. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so uh, when did, uh, what was, was CPO originally a group? CTO was uh, originally, it was supposed to be a group, it would be that way. It was supposed to be the Capital Punishment Organization. 
and, you know, it was going to be donation coming from it and somebody else coming from it and somebody else coming from it. Uh, but what happened was when we got to Capitol, uh, well, you know, everybody, I wanted to try to push the name CPO because I wanted people to get used to the name. <clears throat> I didn't want people to just think about, you know, Little Nation or the foe or this or that or whatever. But what happened was, I guess I pushed it too much because after a while, people just forgot about the name Little Nation. And next thing you know, you just thought, my name was CPO. I kept trying to explain. No, 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 no. I'm not CPO. <laughs> and then I get whatever, you're CPO. So <laughs> I live with it. <laughs> yeah, so um, did what was you was you making in the demos? Was you was you putting in the music out around town? No, no, man, no, I did none of that. Uh, <clears throat> I was just I liked rap. That was it. Now the only people around here rapping was N.W.A. and just before that it was like you know Edie was already doing his thing. Trey was doing that, uh, you know, things like surgery and stuff like that, but. I mean, everybody else is just kind of just, you know, loving the East Coast and just, you know, doing what, you know, just, you know, just doing what they were doing. I mean, but nobody was, I, was, I certainly was not serious about it, not at all. I was, I wrote, I, I used to write, excuse me, I'm sorry, I used to write, you know, things like poetry and stories, stuff like that. Yeah. But nowhere near, I was like, I can't do that. I don't even know how. So I just like, let's do it. You know, I was a fan of LL and Run DMC and that kind of stuff, but nope. No demos, no nothing. I wasn't. I was not trying to get into the business. This was an accident. Wow, man. So uh, when you really got serious about it, it, it was just quite natural to uh, to link up with uh, with Ren and, and, and get on in the dough, huh? What happened was I didn't. Um, I wasn't trying to do with nobody. You know, I wasn't just in the house writing rap, trying to at least, you know. And, and one day I'm sitting just sitting there kicking it, and uh, next thing I know, my rear walking door. Like, what's up? I'm like, what's up? I'm thinking he's out, and and I haven't seen him in a minute. I thought they were in tour, on tour. And uh, then I came back for a quick minute. <clears throat> he said, you know, your brother told me you're rapping. I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> he said, yes, you are. Let me hear it. I said, no, I'm not letting you get nothing. <laughs> so, I mean, don't get me wrong. I knew him all this time. We were homies, but. Being homies with Lorenzo was one thing. Then you hear that MC Ren of NWA, no, you can't hear myself. stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, but he, I eventually let him hear it. Even if I like it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so uh, when, when, did, when did you start really coming around uh, Ruthless Records? Uh, right after that, what happened was we came on that day and finally taught me to let him hear, you know, um, anything. So I let him hear this song. He listened to it for, he listened to myself for less than a couple of minutes. He didn't even listen for like, he didn't even listen for two minutes. And right. then he said, let's go. He had grabbed him on a collar and said, let's go. I'm like, where? And uh, <laughs> he takes me to Arthur Carson. I meet some cat named Young D. I didn't even know who Young D was. I'm, I'm basically like in a whirlwind on the what the hell going. I'm just riding. And uh, we get there, and he's like, okay, I want you to go in that room right there and get a light, but put the headphones on and say that rap right there to this beat. I was like, man, I can't rap to that beat. I don't even know how to rap. He's like, man, go to that rap to that beat, man. <laughs> so that's how. After that, he, that night he said, you know, we're going to do blah, blah, blah. And, and maybe the next couple of days, I was walking in the studio with 
Kim and Dre, Easy. I hadn't seen them in a minute. I walked in, they was like, look at this nigga. So we started <laughs> laughing. And I'm like, I can't believe I'm even, I mean, you know, he, I mean, again, I grew up with these guys, but that's one thing we, when they're super, they were yeah. superstars here, but everybody knew them. I mean, the police was huge. Yeah. And now I'm, right. I'm here in the studio with him, like, the hell am I doing here? You know, I'm like, I'm still really trying to learn them. DLC is sitting on the floor. I'm like, ooh, DLC. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, because yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of everybody in the room. So, you know, basically that's how it started with me. That's when I first started hanging out with them. Right. Wow. So, uh, MC Ren's label, what was it? Uh, was it an actual label? Was it an imprint? And which one was you signed to? Was you signed to Ren Records or or Ruthless? No, uh, it's, yeah, I was signed to Ren Records. If you uh, if you happen to listen to the beginning of the Battle of Men, Battle of Men's right. video, you hear yeah. Ren say, you know, he introduced introduce you guys to a new artist signed to a new label. Ren Records. Ren Records was actually right. a label. Uh, right. I was the first artist on it. And it was Ren Records slash MC Ren Productions, and that he had a deal with Capital. And that's how that went down. But because of the fact that I was always, I mean, I had the same manager as NWA. I was always in the studio with them. We worked in the same studio. We all knew each other. We were all doing everything together. I think people just assumed that, I know people assumed that. I was signing Rupert's up, but I never was. Wow, yeah. Right. Yeah, so uh, what, was it any other artist signing Red Records besides you? Was it you know what? Uh, Mag- I was the first, and for a long time, probably the only one. Um, there's a homie named Rock. Rock may have been signed to Red Records years later. I really don't know. I think Red started a new label, um, but we're... If he didn't start a new label, then it was just me and Rock. If he did start a new label, then yeah, I was probably the only one on my records. That so, um, was a weird legacy. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and uh, so uh, and and uh, the and the, the niggas for life I was made. I I would be straight up, man. It, it was it was a long, long time before I realized that you know you was on that uh. You know, that fire the fuck up the fleet, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, my God. But, hey, I'm saying, hey, hey. Well, I say every time I, uh, every time I heard it, man, I, I, I would just get the roller and I would just laugh my tail off. Oh, I'm man. Like, I'm you like, I wasn't about to laugh like this dude here, man. You see, here's the thing. <laughs> you, you were laughing. You were doing the exact same thing that them fools was great. Nobody was in the studio that day but me. Easy and Drake. And they were like, I'm just sitting there listening. Because I used to love to watch Drake get his mix on. I'm watching him do his thing, and Easy just there. And they both looked at me and said, Hey, go in there and get you some pub. I said, What? He was like, Go in there and get you some pub. I was like, Like, what? Rap on energy. Just go in there and do something. I'm like, Oh, hell yeah. I get ready to go ahead and buzz me a bomb ass person, niggas, for life. So I'm going down here. I said, You just put on a beat with me that beat. It was like, No, 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 no. Don't, don't rap. Just say something like this. Craig <laughs> was like, no. Craig <laughs> was like, look, look, look. Go in and, and, and just let's say this. Say, call yourself Mr. Big Draws. What? <laughs> Mr. Big Draws. Your niggas is in here dying laughing. I said, you know what? Y'all got jokes. Y'all got jokes. You're like, man, just come in, say something. Say you Mr. Big Draws and blah, blah, blah. I was like, I'm just like, oh. 
you know, I mean, yeah, they are. These niggas is like just bent over like that. That's all we ever did was joke. I really think they can't. I don't think they're going to keep this shit. But they ended up keeping it, you know. And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. You don't know what it's like, man, being out in public. Everybody's chilling. I'm chilling. I come up. I went in front of the, uh, I think we was in front of the Palladium one night. Yeah. About, it had to be a good two, three hundred people out there. And we stand outside in front. I got me and my boy Sausage. I got my CPO coat on. And, you know, it's a gang, gang of berries rolling through. And I got them turned around to the street. I don't see these girls. All I hear is this. Hey, Mr. Negro. Oh, what the hell? <laughs> For real? That's me? But, you know. <laughs> they were too many jokes, man. Too many jokes. But in the end, I was really, I, you know, the crazy part about it is, you know, like, you're telling me you heard it, you're laughing. I swear to God, I never thought anybody would even pay attention to that song, I swear. That's crazy. That's crazy. So, you know. Classic, man, classic. Stupid accidents. But I'm cool with them. <laughs> yeah, man, yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, man. <laughs> It, it was not cool. I was the butt of a gang of jokes. Okay. All right. I'll be Mr. Jones. Oh, boy. So, uh, so uh, besides that, uh, what was you in there when they was doing the, uh, the actual recordings? Of the, I, mean, I was there uh, the, the end. I was the entire project, the whole project. I didn't miss a day. I mean, that's, that's what I did. If I wasn't recording, so then I was already doing my thing and I had already been, done my promo tour and that kind of stuff. Uh, but whenever I wasn't working on something myself, I was or doing something the capital had me out there doing. I was yeah. always in the street with them. I was there for the entire project. I wasn't going to miss none of that. Yeah. Right. Right. And so it was just a trip to, I mean, you know, to watch that come together. I was like, I mean, just, well, it was a trip because if you, if you listen to Straight Outta Compton and then you go to Niggas for Life, yeah. the, it's like the, in my opinion, it, it was like this huge jump in 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 technology and everything, understanding. It's like okay, so Cuban rap was on 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 the Australia Compton. By the time they got the niggas for life, they were like professional musicians, and this is what you know we're gonna this skit. Everything was done perfectly, and everything right. was you know um, with a plan. There was no haphazardness, with the exception of Mr. Big Bros. But yeah. there was no really haphazardness. Everything was done according to plan, and you know it was it was a, a project that was well put together. And I just watched them, you know, orchestrate it. And so, yeah, I, took, I I couldn't wait to see what the what the public was going to think about that. I knew they were going to like, you know, certainly a few cuts. But as far as I was concerned, I'm like, man, I can listen to this album back to back. I still can without rewinding. Yeah. I mean, you know, without fast forwarding. Right. 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 Same with me, yeah. man. I mean, that, that that's just one of the albums that stay getting rotation in my dick, especially when I'm going out of town. It's, it's always, mm-hmm. it, it's four albums that I always have with me when, when I'm on the highway. That's that NWA, Niggas for Life, The Chronic, yep. Dog yep. and Dog. Well, really, sad. Like something serious in the ghetto boys to do do a sport. Do my top five. Oh man, you you're picking classic music. You got classic music, and you better never pull up on me with that and that and that and 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 the deck that will disappear. (laughs) 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 (laughs)
Maybe one of them albums off the earth. It's a trip because you mentioned my like two, but maybe my top three albums from that time, and that's you know, Niggas for Life and Chronic and Doggy Style. Seriously, for me, yeah. um, when I think about Dre projects, those are just stellar. And from, and from uh, the way I look at it, like things like the Chronic and Niggas for Life were were just masterpieces. I mean, if you, if anybody listened to Niggas for Life like I did, I listened to them. It was like. Man, he'll never he'll never do nothing like this again. And then along comes Chronic. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know that was a masterpiece. And then you know while everybody was on G thing, thinking G thing was the shit. You know I'm sitting in the studio with him one day. Me and my sister Mickey, uh, who was my face, she's my, well, she's my face sister, but um, yeah. she was also my manager for Death Row. And we're just in the studio with Dre. We're like, oh, Dre G thing is this shit. Dre say, oh, my God, nigga, you came over and you did that. And he's just sitting there looking at a smile and not saying shit. And he reaches back with his hand and just pushes play. And all you do is boom, 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 boom. Like, what was that? And uh, he's getting he like this, oh, my God. That and we were like, he get ready to hit niggas in his mouth. So, right. yeah. You know, right. that was the yeah. end of the time. Yeah, so um, when during the time when they was making the Niggas for Life album, they even though they had asked you to you know to just get up there, did they did they did somebody come to you and say, hey, did you want to spit something on us? Did, was you tempted to to get in on one of them songs and, and drop a verse, man? You know what? I, I initially I was the first day they asked me to go in and get the pub. Sure, I mean hell yeah, I really. Who wouldn't want to be would to debut on um, on an album like that with NWA? Right. You know the anticipation for the album coming out was huge. Not to mention the fact people really wanted to hear what it was, what it was going down because you know the McCube just split, so everybody really wants to know. Now it's like you know we got to got to see what's getting ready to happen. So yeah, I really wanted to be on that project, but you know in retrospect when I think about it. Most people would have wanted to get on an album and rap. And whether it was, you know, by design or accident, I don't know. But it turned out to be better for me in a way that I didn't rap on it, that I did something different on it, because that's what stood out. You know, I think that if I had rapped on it, I'm, except for maybe my maybe my voice, I don't think I would have really stood out. But being a character on it, <laughs> you know, there's, yeah, crazy yeah. Mr. Bigelow's dude. That really made me. That made me give. You know, that, that was a bit of a difference. So, um, so yeah, I think I wanted. I certainly wanted to rap on it, but in the end, I was. I was actually happy about what I actually did. So that was good. I was cool with yeah. that. It was just to be a part of it. Just to yeah, be a yeah. part of it. Yeah, made everything. Right. So, um, what was you that when the initial split had started between Easy and Drake? Uh yeah, yeah. I was there one day. Uh, I, well, you know, I, I was I just happened to be in the studio one day, and I remember uh, Easy was there and um, and Jerry was there. <clears throat> and then in came Shook and Dre. I'm like, oh shit, what's this about? And Shook and Dre both smiling. Hey, what's up, Shook? Hey, what's up? And they went in, and, you know, I can hear muffled voices, blah, 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 blah. You can't really hear what's going on because the door was hella thick. Yeah, and yeah. then somebody will walk out and smile, like, hey, some people. Hear my ass, y'all. What y'all talking about? It's far down in here. 
But uh, yeah, I never, I didn't hear exactly what was happening. But you know, you knew well, very well that you know whatever happened with with um, with Q was was getting ready to happen with Dre. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it happened. I really, and that irked me because I mean, you know, when you think about this, it, like, okay, well, if they didn't split, that you would never have had a death row and all the people that came from there. You would never have had America's Most Wanted and you know, death certificate and those things. So. Yeah. You know, yeah. in retrospect, you can look and say, no, well, you know, if fate had it, well, this had to have happened. But to watch it occurring was like, oh. yeah. I mean, you know, that, that group was just, a, it was just a phenomenon, seriously, you know. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not saying that because I knew them. I'm saying that because, you know, I really love real hip-hop. And, it, and to watch that occur, it was ugly, you know, so. Right. So, um, did, did they approach you about joining Death Row in the beginning? Oh, yeah. um, one day I happened to be up in uh, <clears throat> up in the studio. I think I think that was the day we were yeah talking and we were working on uh, on his cut. Niggas is like that. Uh, actually, it was a little after that. And so um, I'm there in the studio one day. It's me. Uh, Sugar's up there doing something. I uh, I know that. Stoop was there because I was talking to him. He was like, hey, you got to cut And, you know, I'm already on the Snoop. The Snoop was super tight. And yeah. I two or three people that day had said something to me about you should come to death row. So it was kind of like this silent recruiting thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And so then we sat down. We were all in a meeting. And Dre was like, listen to me. It's kind of like this. He said, think of it. Because I really didn't want to leave rent. I mean, Ren put me on. It was not a thing of me. I just saw that as kind of, I mean, I was friends with everybody, but Ren was the one that actually literally discovered me, so to speak, and then put me on. I didn't yeah. see it as cool as leaving him because uh, even before Dre asked me to sign to Death Row, he asked me to sign to Ruthless. And I told him, I said, well, you know, you need to talk to Ren about that. I mean, I was bad with my nigga. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it, but Dre told me one day. He said, "Listen, think of it as a job. You're leaving one job yeah. and working for another place." And I was like, "That was the best way I could look at it." And yeah. uh, but even then, I was like, uh, and I, "I didn't go." And when I didn't go, the chronic got done. He came out. I was like, "This motherfucker!" I'm thinking. Because to me, my, my two stellar albums are, you know, Nick's Life and The Chronic. To have been on one, it was like a quarter and being on one side, not the damn other. And I was like, not happy, <laughs> you know, but yeah. I, I I always see that as a missed opportunity. Like, man, had I known I was going to leave anyway, I would have left then. But, yeah, you know, yeah that's not what happened. Very right. cool. Right. Yeah. So um, in the beginning, was it what was what was the initial name of Duffro at the time? Because you know we was getting uh, it was either Future Shots, you know we had Funky Nub Ruggers, and then it was the original spelling of D E L Fro. I you know. know. <laughs> the only I, I heard of the word Future Shot. I don't know when I heard that. I have no idea when I heard that. All I know is that prior to um, when they were over on Quanga, when we were, you know, dropping silver chocolate over there, you know, they were called Death Row, like Death Jam. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. They were yeah. called Death Row. 
And I hadn't heard about anything else. That was my very first time I heard anything about them. And I was like, okay, that's cool, that's cool. And then but by the time Dre actually invited me to come to the label, they were death row by that time. And the only thing I didn't like about the word death row was death. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did everybody have to be deaf? And so, dude, uh, <laughs> it was really just an opinion. But my, I was like, that's a bad name. But I mean, you know, it was as far as gangster was concerned. It everybody got that. They understood that. Um, yeah. So we, I guess, from a marketing standpoint, yeah, it was a shit. But I guess. Spiritually, I was like, mm, I don't want to be with death. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> my thing is, um, when I went, I knew that, to me, it was, it was like watching, you know, um, the Lakers and, you know, like the 2001 Lakers, they were unstoppable. I mean, you just saw them coming. There was no stopping them. Uh, and so I was like, you know, I'm going to make this jump because I really wanted to be on some Drake tracks badly. Interestingly yeah. enough, I never got on a Drake track, but uh, my thinking was um, it, he was with me and my, shit, well, me and my sister Michelle thought. We were like, you know what, let's do this. Let's go to the, let's go to the label, get on, let's jump on two multi-platinum cuts, like two multi-platinum projects, and then be out because we don't want to be stranded on death row. We just want to go visit death row. And yeah. so I said, okay, cool. Yeah, let's do that. I said, max out maybe three, you know, projects, and then we're gone. And, um, and that's exactly what happened. I mean, I, I, I've been fortunate from the standpoint that I never had to give anybody a demo. I never had to do the whole, you know, try and shop a deal kind of thing. I was very fortunate because having known these people, you know, I mean, it really is a case of getting what you know is who you know. So, you know, when... When I left to go and look for them, we left we left that day to go look for Dre. I actually did some old, you know, Carrasco's Adam shit on the phone to find out where he was going to be and showed up, you know. And I didn't see Dre, but I saw Sugar. And Sugar was like, listen, I want you to go to the studio, blah, 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 blah. I want you to work on move, move, move. I said, so what am I doing? Going to work on a demo? He said, no, you're going to work on your album. What? And so, okay, That's cool. Right. Uh, I did that, and then the next day, one of the homies was like, yeah, well, let's go eat at uh, Gladstones. Well, Word. you know, we show up at Gladstones. I'm there just to eat because, you know, that's what I do. <laughs> so yeah. we're waiting on the homie to show up, and it just so happened on the triple sky, Dre happened to be there. I, 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 there was no meeting, no nothing. He just happened to be at that restaurant. And he was like, what's up? And I said, dude, you know, I just, so sure the other day, he put me in the studio. I was in there yesterday. What's up with this other thing? He was like, well, listen, uh, come to the studio tomorrow. I'm working on this project, and I want you to get on it. And that was above the rim. And that's how I got That's how I got in. Dope, dope, dope. Right. My whole career has been a series of strange accidents that went cool. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's just what happened. So I was, it was, that was a cool thing. But yeah, that's what happened with that. So did did you know the convicts? Did you come in contact with Big Mike and Three Two during those early days? Uh, first time I met the convicts was at Chasen's one night when Jeff Rowe was kind of doing their coming out party and they had this big party at Chasen's. 
that was the first time I met Big Mike and uh, 3-2, and they were tight. I was like, they spoke. Uh, uh, I didn't really get a chance to, to, to chill with Big Mike at all, but he was a cool dude. Um, but 3-2, we kicked it all the damn time, smizzling, chilling, light some, smoke some. Uh, you know, he was, he was, he, I was around that cat a lot. And uh, you could see his influences on, you know, the cats in Long Beach, some of his lingo, the way he talked. Uh, um, you could see that, you could, you, you could see that they had been around him a minute too because they were talking, they were saying some of the things he would say. I, I didn't realize, I, I used to think that was just, you know, regular spit. And then when I was around him, I was like, this thing is that shit a thousand times a day. So, I realized it was it was him, you know, uh, inadvertently uh, influencing people with his, his whole demeanor. But um, yeah, the convicts were the shit. That was also the first night anybody ever heard Keithane. They lit the room up. So I mean, you know, you could just see this whole this whole thing getting ready to start. It was getting ready to be the shit, you know. So because when you know, I don't think anybody saw Snoop coming when he hit. It was like, God damn. You know, I, we immediately saw that he was getting ready to be the next thing, that he was going. I knew that we, me and Michelle looked at that cat and said, he is going to change hip-hop, and he did, largely. Yeah. So, you know, huge influence on it. Right. So, um, how well did you know Chocolate? Did I know? I still know. <laughs> we talk all the time. That's my boy. Um, the first time I ever met Chocolate uh, was through Easy. Easy introduced me to us one night, and Easy said, "Yeah, yeah, this is the dude that wrote Ice Ice Baby." We just fall out laughing. We like, "Nigga, what? You wrote what?" We dying laughing. So, you know, he was like, "Yeah, man, you know, so so." But you know, uh, for he was super cool. He was real cool. You know, we chilled and you know, uh, just just kicked it. He was he was good people. And uh, and so, I don't know, it wasn't even a year later, possibly a year later, he hits me up when they said, no, dude, come visit me in my house. What house? Man, come visit me in my house. Well, you ain't got no house, nigga. So, man, look, come out here, blah, 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 get on the freeway here, woo, 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 come up this hill, and my house is the one with the white bins and the black bins and the, and the, and the black portion. Yeah, whatever, nigga. Yeah, come out here. Okay. Just for jokes. Let's go. Yep. All that. All this time we laughed about Ice Ice Baby, that shit was blowing up and he was getting uh, paid. So he wasn't a joke no more. <laughs> you know, and then, you know, he started producing and he and I hooked up and started doing stuff and that's how, you know, Get All Life came about. And so, yeah, that's my guy, man. He's, he's, I mean, I know his entire family. He knows mine. We call each other's mama's mama. You know, I don't, we we spent every single day together for two years working on shit like JJ Fan and Booyah right. Tribe and just a whole, yeah, a whole lot of shit. So you know, yeah, we've done we've done a whole lot, and and you know, I was really happy for him to get that that cut on the Compton soundtrack for um well you know the Compton album. You know, because when you first hear the movie, when the movie first comes on, when Sarah Compton first comes on, you know, I'm you know I'm just talking to my diary. That's shocking shit. You know, that's him. That's his production. And I believe uh, uh, his his nephew, uh, my guy, uh, Slim the Monster, wrote that. So, I mean, you know, I watched people like Slim, for instance. Slim was just like maybe 13, 14 when I first met him, you know? And now he's just a monster. 
monster. Yeah. And he was and it was really an honor to me to him for him to say his influences was his uncle being chocolate and yeah. DOC and me. I was like, How the hell did I get in there? But I was I shit. As funky as he is, he appreciates it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, you know, uh but yeah, man, I watched I watched this, you know, come about and, you know, just and seeing, you know, who had what to do with what. And, uh, yeah, I've been on Chocolate for, for a long time, and, we, you know, we're still very close. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what's up. up. Um, and, uh, w- one more thing about, uh, another thing about Ruthless. Uh, how come it was just one album drop with, uh, with CPO? Uh, oh, man, um. Well, because um, I left. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I'm out. This has been great, very interesting. I'm gone. Because I, my thing was, I was looking at my contracts and looking at how long it was going to take me to make this money and that money, and they weren't really listening to any of my ideas. I was watching a lot of my ideas get used by other people, and we could have done these things. We could have done this production, used these ideas for, for promotions. But he was so hooked on MC Hammer at Capitol that nobody else really mattered. You know, even with an MC Hammer, you weren't getting no real push. Even when we right. went on my promo tour, you know, we we're on my promo tour, and, you know, we walk into a store to do a store, and, uh, you know, the guy is talking to do the store, like, yeah, 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 this CPO. So, yeah, man, you know, one of the next MC Hammer, no, really? On my motherfucker? Okay. All right. So <laughs> I, had to, I had to say, you know, I needed to be somewhere that really cared about Gangster rap, and yeah, to me, yeah. there was only two places that was either ruthless or death row. So, word. All right, okay, yeah. So, um, was you was, was you also around uh, ruthless when when everything had you know during the aftermath when uh when Dre yeah. had left and uh you know it was the so called dark days at ruthless as they call it. Well, was you in the atmosphere at that time? Um, no, no, no. <clears throat> See, here's my thing. Um, remember I said we, we were going to go there and jump on a couple of projects and shake? Right. Well, my, the, way I, the way I assessed things, the way I saw things going on was Michelle and I sat down, we were listening, uh, you know, looking at the situation. It was like, you know what? They're blowing up really fast. Right. Um, but for whatever reason, and there was no real animosity there or anything like that between Dre and, or, uh, between Dre and Suge, not to my knowledge. Right. But for whatever reason, I could see that, you know, with with how quickly they were growing and becoming popular, I saw that going to come to a head one day as far as, you know, whose company is this. I saw heads going to clash at some point. And I thought to myself, I can see this happening within about a two-year period. So I'm gonna, I need to get in and get out, you know, before that crack, because I want to be gone before Dre splits. And right. understand, nobody gave me talking about no splits. None of that shit was happening. It was all in my head. Yeah. And um, I went in, you know, did above the rim. Fortunately, got on, you know, murder was the case. And I should went. I was not really with Death Row. When, I mean, I was signed to them still, but I was not hanging out and not going around or anything right. like that. When I actually did pitch and roll with Pac, I wasn't really, you know, I consider myself to have been shook, gone. Uh, so I didn't see myself doing any more projects. That was a, a super accident. That was not supposed to happen. 
But by then, you know, I was already grown because by that time, it was definitely animosity beginning to happen, turmoil was happening, and it was it was a foregone conclusion. It was getting ready to, you know, just crack. But then I was already gone. But no. Right. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So, man, let's get into that, man. About uh, about you ended up on the uh, the Tupac record. How how that came about? Yeah. Uh, uh. Well. Okay. Uh, I met Tupac a couple of times. I met him once at the uh, at, at the BRE back Radio Expo, and uh, my sister and I were were standing in this room together. It's like a dark. It's kind of kind of a darkened ballroom. And when the door opened at the other end, we could see Pop walk in, you know, because the light came from his ball with the spot. So he walks to the room and he starts walking in our direction. And I'm like, so we moved because it looked like he was walking toward us. And I don't really know about I never met Pop before that. And so when we moved, he moved. He's still walking toward us. It was like, so he said, like, is he walking? I said, yeah, yeah, she did. Let's move back. So we moved back. And when we moved, he moved again. We was like, Oh, hell no, 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 no. So he walked right up to me and said, what's up, CBO? I said, what's up, Pac? Uh, you know, we had a quick spit conversation real quick. I told him congratulations on the juice, and, you know, we we talked for a minute or two, and he shook. And I was like, that was freaky because I had no idea he knew who I was. Well, uh, right. So for him to walk into the room and see me and specifically come to talk to me, I was like, okay. You know, I mean, he's... I, that that was huge to me. I was like, "Well, damn, I knew who it was," and um, and then that was basically the only contact I really had with him until one day I saw him at Death Row, and he happened. I, I didn't even know he was there. I knew Snoopy right. and, and Nate were there, were there, so I went in to speak to them. And um, and when I opened the door, Snoopy was like, oh, "What's up, TV?" I said, "What's up?" And then I saw Fox in there. And Fox stood up and walked over to me, hugged me, and said, what's up, how are you? And he was just a really hospitable dude, really yeah. hospitable. And these things are kind of like, I'm like, okay, I got nothing but superstars in this room, and that one's probably the biggest one of them all. And he just stood up and walked over to me to give me a little, what the fuck? And I'm like, yeah. I, I guess that's just his get now. And that was, that, was, that was really, really cool. So, you know, years later, I was – it was one Saturday. I knew I was getting ready to get laid off my job the next day. And so I got laid. Uh, I knew I was getting laid off. And I'm sitting at the corner of, of a, what was that, Western and uh, Western and Redondo Beach Boulevard. <clears throat> and uh, I'm thinking these two Tupac songs came on back to back on the radio. And I'm like, damn, I wish I could do a song with Tupac. Of course, that ain't never going to happen because I ain't seen him in years. And he's in jail. So the next day, I get laid off from my job. And I'm at the house, belly aching, pissed off. And, you know, I'm not with death row anymore. They ain't trying to do shit with me no way. So now I don't have a job, and I'm signed to a record label that's basically shelf me. So I sign. I just say, man, I just feel like calling the studio and connecting with somebody. I don't care who it is. Just talk to somebody who's doing some shit so I can feel like I'm not nothing. Right, and when right. I call, the dude answered the phone. I said, hey, what's up, Travis? What's up, CGL? said, Who's in the studio today? He said, Pop. I said, Pop? Tupac? And he said, Yeah. I said, Tupac's in jail. And he said, No, he's not. He said, He's been here all weekend, shooting down your mouth, but nobody knows. I'm like, Okay, hold up. I just said yesterday. <laughs> oh, well, I can do a song with Tupac. So, who oh, no. I just said, Okay, uh, fuck it. I said, Let me talk to him. He said, Okay. 
And Brock added the phone. I said, what's up, Brock? He said, what's up? Who's it? I said, CPO. He said, what's up, CPO? I said, I had a vision. He said, what was it? I said, do a song with Tupac. He said, I'll do one with you. You do one with me. I said, cool. We got to do that one day. He said, nigga, I'm here now. <laughs> he was not supposed to say that. He was supposed to say, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, I'll like. He did. Yeah. She was like, I'm up here now. I was like, uh, uh. <laughs> <So> <laughs> he was like, you coming? I was like, uh. Yeah, so he said, okay, cool, I'll see you when you get here. And I'm on the phone over the dude that was sitting there with was like, nigga, was you just talking to Tupac? I said, yeah, get the shit. You know me? Yeah, we get the party favors and we shake out. He said, what are we going to do? We're getting ready to go to, you know, black dude with Tupac. He's like, you bullshit, nigga, you driving. So we roll out there, kick it. We are having a ball. I got a blunt in my mouth, getting the juice in one hand, yak and coke in the other, loving my yeah. life. And uh, everybody there is me, you know, like a whole, the whole Tupac entourage. And, uh, uh, you know, Johnny J is there, and Tiger is there, Pockets is there, smoking a thousand cigarettes. And um, and so he said, Johnny J, give me, give us, give me a beat to me see if you get out to it. And he put that beat on, and seriously, I didn't really like the beat. It wasn't really me. It's not, I like certain kinds of beats. I like dark gangster you know, yeah, beat. yeah, and yeah. so, but I was like, I'll give a fuck. I would write some of this motherfucker, so, you know. So, I wrote, I was writing my part, and he was done when he was like, lickety split. And then, right. like, he finished his part. And I'm between not liking the track, not really, and between being super hot, yeah. um, I just decided, I said, I know what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna write all this part, and then I'm gonna stop. And I, I went to a park and I said, listen, I'm going to wrap up to this point right here. Then I want you to say something. I don't care what you say. Say something about this many bars, and I'm coming after you. Because my thing was, I don't just want to do a song with you, Bobby. I want to do the song with him, too. I actually want yeah. to be on the verse with him. And so, and so we did that. And I, I, but seriously, on the way home, the homies were like, do you realize he just did a song with Tupac? And I said, dude, he's not going to use that song. I said, <laughs> and I told him, I said, you know, what happens is, you know, people do about, like, a whole lot of songs, and then they pick from those songs, and they use those. I said, that'll end up on the cutting room floor. I said, but it was really hospitable of him to have me come down and chill, because it really made my day, because my day was fucked up at, at yeah. about that point, you know? Yeah, uh, and it really was a good thing just to sit there and, and chill and, and be doing something. Yeah, anyway, yeah. you know, when the shit came out, my manager, you know, Mickey, my, my sister worked at Death Row. And she yeah. called me and she said, Vince, what's the name of that song you was on Tupac? I said, I don't know. I think they called me the Pitch and Roll or something like that. I said, that's what we kept saying. And she said, there's a song on here called Pitch and Roll, and this song is on here. You want it? I said, you lying. She said, I know who's uh-huh. I said, stop lying. And she took the CD out and played it. I was like, this. Yep, that's it. <laughs> I was like, I was like, so so. Anybody gonna hear it? Nobody's gonna hear that song because it was a two album set. It's too many songs in there. He got yeah. songs with Snoop. He got songs with Dad. He got songs with too many folks. Nobody's gonna hear that song. Oops, they did. I know anybody yeah. would even listen to it, let alone like it. So yeah, that was cool. That was yeah. way cool. <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's yeah. really cool. Yeah, so uh, and you 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 had a a situation uh, to come up 
and uh, yeah, reached out to him. He started collecting royalties from the song. What happened was, and of course, by this time, unfortunately, Pocket, um, you know, he had passed away. And so um, I'm sitting here one day, just before 2000, and, you know, financial situation is ugly. And so just just as a thought, I said, let's call Jeff Rowe and find out. You know, what's up, with, what's up with the Tupac song? And here's the thing. I had every intention of calling there and hearing anyone you said that to start calling. So when I called, I don't know whoever the person was, but they, they didn't know me. I didn't know them. And they said, well, you need to call Universal because they're handling Tupac's estate. I'm like, estate? And yeah. so I, I called over there, and the lady said, well, who are you? And I said, well, my name is, you know, Ben Edwards. And she said, well, um, you're, what are you saying? You call about? I said, pitching and rolling. I said, I'm on, I'm a CPO on the song. She said, oh, oh, are you psych? No, I'm not psych. <laughs> she said, I think, because everybody thinks that me and psych are the same person. I said, no, psych comes before me. I said, I'm the last guy. She said, well, what's your part to me? Everybody always knows the most smooth as a motherfucker me and my nine part. So I had to say that part. She's like, oh, yeah, 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 okay, cool. And she goes to the kid, blah, blah, blah. She says, yeah, there's some money here for you. What? What's right. it for me? Okay, cool. And I'm thinking, well, shit, it's been a few years. It's got to be at least five bucks, you know. And uh, cause I was super broke. I didn't have nothing was tracking for me at that point. Yeah. And uh, and so she said, well, yeah, we're going to send you a check out in about two weeks. Yep. Two weeks. Yeah. Check is in the mail. Whatever. So two weeks go by, no check. Did I really accept one? Oh, no. And so I called her back and said, yeah, you know, hey, uh, the check didn't come. She was like, oh, God, I didn't come. Yeah, whatever, check. So she was like, give me 10 more days. 10 more days. <laughs> uh, but within 10 days, I got this envelope from Universal. And the homie handed it to me. He was like, Hey, dude, you got a letter here from your universe. I said, nigga, let me get that. So he handed it to me, and I'm I'm, I'm sitting there looking at the damn letter, not opening it, just going, ooh, what did you check? What did you check? He said, I said, you have a check. He said, open it. I said, well, what if it's 500 bucks? What if it's 500? He was like, nigga, open the check. I was like this. Well, what if it's 1,000? 1,000 would be shit right now, truck. 1,000 would be shit. We can use 1,000 bucks. He's like, open the check. I was like, Ooh, what if it's 1500 I said, no, no, no. Slow down, son. It ain't 1500 He said, can you open the motherfucker? So eventually I open it, and I look at it, and I was like this. Trick this motherfucker is $3,700. Nigga, we finna eat today. It's going down. We eat the red lobster, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, nigga, it's the eat. He grabs the check, and he said, nigga, this ain't $3,700. I said, motherfucker, I'm looking right at you. He said, no, you ain't. Look at this again. And it was a little over thirty-seven thousand. Oh, wow! Yeah. Man. So, yeah. so for my bank account, go from dusty to thirty, to almost thirty-eight G's yeah. in a day. I was like this. Yeah, nigga, we yeah. need like sumo wrestling today. And we're gonna go shopping. And we're gonna go over here. And we're gonna go do that. So, you know, that was truly unexpected. So, I mean, all and you know, you think about the fact that. I was, it was actually a good thing that I had never been paid my royalties up until that point because they were somewhere accumulated. 
Yeah, and, yeah. So that was wonderful, you know. So yeah. Right. Yeah. So you you still you still collecting royalties to this day? Yeah, there won't be no checks like that anymore. But, okay. yeah. but yeah, you know, uh, yeah, you know, two of the fuels, it's all good, you know. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, it, what happened was what I didn't realize had happened was not only did you know all of me go like I think. I want to say twenty million, something, something close to that. Yeah. Um, and then uh, not only that, they also put the song on his greatest hits album, so that's you know selling too. So you know, it's all these, like I said, there's all these little strange coincidences that you just don't foresee. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, to be on a song with, first of all, to be on a song five, period. And it yeah. never even dawned on me. I had already done a a, a song on his. I I forgot that pop was in. But well, Roseanne Real, so I had already done a kind of a song with him in a way. Yeah. Um, but to be on that song and then be on his greatest his album, it's kind of a, it's not even kind of a nothing. It's ex- it's a really an extreme honor to, to actually have been fortunate enough to be on the projects that I've been on. Certainly All Eyes on Me, absolutely Niggas Fly, and, yeah. you know, even like the East Siders, Warren G, you know, Return of the Regulator. I mean, I just really had the opportunity to be on some nice things and I you know, yeah. I can really I can, that's all God. That's all God. Yeah. Right. You know. Yeah, so uh what's your thoughts on DJ Train? DJ Train is my guy. And you know, I'm, let me tell you about this dude, man. He all these studio gangster type shits, not train. Super gangster train. Train puts Southside Crip to his I mean to forever. Yeah. Uh, and everybody, and I'm mean, not even trying to pull up Chris or anything. I'm just saying my nigga was a real G. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, you know, he was he was about his hood, and he was certainly about his family, absolutely about his homies. And, I mean, the thing about Trey was I took Trey everywhere with me just because he had known the business. He'd been out with J.J. Fad. You know, he'd been touring with different people. I was like a novice. I knew nothing. Train was the one that told me everything. He said, "Don't order, don't do not order room service." Wow, he's like this. It's too damn expensive. Plus, they ain't got money to keep your diem in your pocket. Nigga, go down the street to the deli. Go, go jacking about. Don't order stuff from the hotels. Don't yeah. use the hotel phones. Go use the phone booth. I'm like, you can fucking nigga, listen to me. Um, all kinds. He just introduced me to the world. He introduced me to you know kids. Uh, Kids, uh, not kids, but what's in the kids' station, and yeah, uh, just everybody knew train. Everybody knew train. Um, when he when he passed, um, I have never seen the only other two uh, funeral services that I've seen with that many people were probably Easy's and Biggies. Yeah, um, there were so many people at train service that you could not. There was nowhere to park. I mean, for blocks, there was nowhere to park, period. Well, and it was like, you know, he was just truly loved. Uh, and it's a difficult thing to think about it because, I mean, I still live, you know, just Boston. When he lived. I, I still live where I used to live. Right? I mean, I still live with, I, I passed all of the houses all the time. And, yeah. um, you know, I was, I remember coming home that night and seeing the fire engines come down the street. I had no idea that they were on my way, on their way to, 
his house. It was nowhere to know that. You know, I just saw them turn down his street, but I mean, his, it's a whole neighborhood over there. Who knew? Yeah. And then in the morning to find out that they were in his house, and you know, it's 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 um uh I, I don't know anyone who who knew Trey, even Suge. Um, the day that Suge asked me to write this song for Bow Wow when he was young, um, it's called uh, After Three O'clock. Just before when I walked into his office, the first thing Suge asked me was, um, "How was how was train service?" And I said, "Oh, it was it was really really nice." So it was really cool to even get to have to just to watch me acknowledge the way people acknowledged him. It was just he was a he was a super cool dude. He really was. I, I mean, he somebody had tripped him one night. I told him about it. And the next thing I knew, that fool jumped in his car, dipped, came back like this. I went dumping the niggas with girls. I was like, what? He was like this. I dumped the niggas with girls like this. Well, thanks for that. You know, this is like. We weren't even sure that was it. He's like, it was it, motherfucker. <laughs> that was my dog, man. That was my dog. I really miss that guy. I really do. He, uh, even my mother cried when he, when when she found out. And it was, it was something that was to watch my mom cry like that. I was like, damn, I didn't even know my mother was had become so attached to him. But he, that's yeah. how he was, you know. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So um. Uh... Who was uh, Ricky A. Ace Vito? If I'm saying it right, Ricky Acevedo. Yeah, I know I wouldn't say Ricky Acevedo right. <laughs> is the guy. <clears throat> Ricky Acevedo is a guy that okay. Um, we hung out all the time, and right. um, super cool dude. And Ricky was the first person that kind of really made me even start thinking about rapping. You know, we used to talk about it. Every Wednesday, we would roll out to go and load this truck. He was always like, hey, we can do it, we can do it, we can do it, we can do it. And, I mean, you know, it's, like I said, it's not hard to think that way when you live in a neighborhood in WA. So, um, but Ricky had this thing about, he had this thing about, he had you really talked about on, 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 a, on, a, on an idea and really believing that you can do it and was possible. But his thing was he wouldn't stay on the idea for very long. And so he was talking about, you know, we can be rappers. And shit, neither one of us know how to rap. We know how to rap with fucking mandate on our fingers. Wasn't no rap on that. <laughs> so we used to sit and listen to the radio and go, okay, you start. You start. You start. <laughs> so <laughs> nobody knew what they were doing. So, but uh, one day I just really sat down and started, I was listening to Funky Enough from DLC. Yeah. And I wrote a song to it called Something Like This. And then I wrote another song called The Wall because of something that happened in the hood. And one day I was rolling with Rick and I told him, I said, dude, I wrote the song called The Wall. He said, The Wall? What's that? I said, oh, it stands for the war against the living. He just fell out laughing, busted up laughing. And so eventually he decided he didn't want to do this anymore. And I was like, dude, Rick, I mean, Rick was really kind of a, he had a, 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 a real presence about him. You know what I mean? So you really... I felt like I needed him in order to do this. Like, it was not possible without him. And yeah. I told him, and I said, dude, I cannot do this without you. And I'll never forget his words. His, his, his reply was, you're going to have to. And I was, like, devastated. I was like, okay, there's no way in the world I can do this. I don't know how to rap. I don't have his presence. It's not going down. But I, but he had me so hyped on this dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just was sitting down and write, 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 write. And the next thing you knew, 
uh, we were at a party one night, and he didn't know, but Ren had already did this, uh, did something like this for me. And we played it one night at the party. He didn't know that was me. And we were standing outside, and the party was like, you know, bouncing to it. And he was outside, yeah. like, and he looked at me and said, you know what, Vince? If you were to rap, it would sound like that. I said, you know what? <laughs> and he said, yeah, man. So we outside bouncing. I don't want to be now, but I don't want to hear people going to say And so he was bouncing. Everybody getting, you know, everybody outside dancing in the house dancing. And he's like, he said, man, he said, dude, I'm telling you, you sound just like that. I said, yeah. So, <laughs> You know, they play like one verse, and so then they said, uh, they said, okay, yeah, 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 we just wanted to play one couple, you know, just to see what I thought about, you know. You know, and they were like, well, who's, who's doing the music? And they were like, well, that's DJ Rock. And, uh, you know, everybody knew who Rock was. He was, he was another DJ. He was the one scratching on that. Yeah. And so and so then they said, well, who's that rapping? And by this time, I slid back into the house because, you know, they sound like they're like tech. And he said, that big dude right there. And the whole party just, like, collapsed on me. And he looked at me like, he said, that's you? And I said, yeah. And he was looking, the look on his face was just like, I can't fucking believe it. And, wow. and that day, I, I, you know, I, I moved from being the guy next to the guy to the guy, you know. So yeah. uh, it's funny because ever since then, we've never kicked the thing. And, I mean, I was always telling you, you come through, because you never would, never would. Never would come through. Oh, I don't know what that man. was about, but, you know, my thing was, dude, I thank you. I mean, he literally motivated me to, to do it. And so I, for that, I'm like, I appreciated that because, again, an accident. You know what I mean? It just, you don't know yeah. what's going to motivate you, but that's what it is. So that's who he is. Right. That's crazy. Man. Yeah, because, I mean, everybody got that uh, that one person to influence them to do it. Because it's like, you know, uh, how they say, you know, people come to your life, they, they, they end up for a season. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. But it's, yeah, yeah. Exactly. But it's good or bad, yeah. And it's like they, they, just, they, they meant to be there in that particular moment. Exactly. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. Yeah, so. You know, you know and I, so I look at everything that's happened. I mean, you know, people were like, well, you know, what was your relationship like with Suge? My relationship with Suge was, was very cool. Me and Suge never had problems. He was always, it's a sad thing when I think about the way people generally think about Suge. Right. Know, because they don't know the other, they never, they probably never will get to meet the other side of him, but, you know, he has very cool ways. Very cool ways. You know, I, I right. mean, and so it's, it's, uh, I mean, the very first time I ever met him was, um, well, I, I had met him in my video. Uh, Ren brought him over to me to meet me, and it was funny because the first thing Ren, uh, it was that This Be This Funky video. Yeah. And Ren walked away, and I'm sitting there talking to him, and he said, I'm going to tell you something. And I said, what's up? And he said, see how they got you flying around in videos and shit, and woo, 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 being funny and all that? I said, yeah. I mean, I hadn't really thought about it. He was like, they're trying to sabotage you. And I said, what do you mean? He said, they don't want you to, they don't need another gangster rapper. They already, he said, Jerry already got NWA. You don't need another gangster rapper. And I was, he said, that's why they got you flying around and doing cupcakes and all that shit. And I so, remember that video. Yeah. Dude, yeah. I mean, when I, when I said, thought about it, I said, you know, you might have a point. Um, but you could see how Sugar worked his, you know, Sugar got his gift of gas. He really yeah. did. 
Uh, yeah. But, I mean, he had a point. And so, I, I, but, you know, interestingly enough, even though, even if that was, I don't think they were, I don't think I ever really believed they were purposely trying to sabotage me. But uh, the strange part about it was is that the video ended up blowing up because because it was stupid, because yeah. it was different. You know, everybody was doing that uh, stupid gangs and blah, 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 blah kind of a thing. I'm flying around with trains on a rope, and, you know. Yeah, yeah. Shit. And so that stuck out, you know what I mean? But, I, yeah, it's, it's a trip, man. It's, it's it's a strange business. It really is. It's, it's super doggy dog. And one of the reasons probably why I didn't really, you know, people were like, well, why didn't you do this and why didn't you do that? So because I would have had to undercut this person, cut soap that person, dog this person out. And that's just not who I am. You know, I think that eventually when you do shit like that, it has to come back around. Karma's a bitch. And I didn't need yeah. that kind of karma. You know what I mean? So right. I prefer to be loyal. I prefer to have integrity. And to me, that's better in the long run. So. For sure. Right. Yeah, because, uh, you know, me and Bomba and, uh, you know, and a couple of other guys, you know, we be uh, talking about the old Delph Road days and when, when Suge Knight come up, you know, I, I always say, you know, Suge Knight, you know, he, 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 he don't get the credit he deserves because a lot of people just look at the controversy that surrounded him. You know, all the stuff that had went down with him, but I was like, if you could just do away with that, you know, all the controversy and all the other craziness that was just going on around Shug and just mm-hmm. concentrate on the business, the business that he was doing, man, that dude was a genius. Well, you know, I'll put it to you this way. I mean, it's, think about it. Dre blew up, Shug blew up, and, you know, in my opinion, Dre blew up, at, I mean, Shug blew up as a result of Dre being there, because it was, uh, to me, it was like this. Suge had, Suge had, um, you know, he, he had influence and power, that kind of thing. But it was more of a, of a kind of a fear mechanism, so to speak, whereas to me, the talent was actually the power, and Dre was the talent. But from a musical standpoint, I mean, from a business standpoint, where did that come from? It came from easy. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, people can talk shit about, you know, easy and Jerry Heller all the course they want. That. Right. That that their business, their, 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 their I mean, yeah, they, they, we ain't gonna sit there and pretend that other kind of things were not done. Of course they were, but you know, apparently some good shit must have been happening as well because you know Drake took what he took from there and Drake took what he took from there and everybody took their shit and it took that same business model and did their thing. You know, what I used to try and explain to to, to people was, you know. You want to treat people in such a way, you treat your audience in such a way that not only do they want to stay at your company, but they want to go out and recruit people for your company too. If you're really yeah. greedy, if you're really greedy, then you do the opposite of what people do. You don't take their money. You pay them their money. The first thing they're going to do is like, nigga, you want to come over here to death row, you want to come over here to blah, blah, blah. Nigga, they ain't paying over here. They ain't trying to get you. They're not trying to take your money. And the next thing you know, now you've got about 20 or 30 other groups dying to be with your company trying to get with your company, that's all money for you. That's yeah. all money for you because you were treating people the right way. They were treating them the wrong way. Yeah, you're stealing money off shit and talk, all, they publishing off stuff and all that, but now they want to leave your group, I mean your company, and now they're going to spit, you know, shit about your company like, don't fuck with them. So now, what have you done? I mean, you really want to 
treat people correctly, it doesn't make sense not to. Right. Yeah, but everybody sees that dollar bill first. They don't see the long dollar. They see the short dollar. And right. so, you know, that's the lesson that I took from it. You know, I got people around me like, hey, I'm going to take eight of this nigga fuck with something. Dude, dude, did you write that nigga song? So what the fuck are you doing? You don't take 80% of his publishing. You take 20% and give him his 80%. He's the one writing that shit. He's the one coming up with that. He's creating that, you know? Yeah. And now he wants to go get his other 10 homies that are funky, too. Now you got 20% of 10 other niggas. You are making money handle with this. And everybody yeah. has it. They all love you because you're paying their money. So, you know, everybody, people don't think. They don't think. But, I mean, you know, lessons learned. What can I say? Yeah. Right. So how how was your relationship with Jerry Heller? <laughs> <laughs> Me and Jerry never had problems. Um, Jerry just didn't. Jerry was more funny to me than anything else. He was all like, "CPO man, you know, get your shit together, man." I mean, he was he was cool, but he didn't really. He wasn't that interested in in CPO. He was much more interested in DOC. Not mad at him. And he was more so interested in the NWA, of course, in that matter. But if he'd have been interested, he would have been making certain that capital didn't see what they were supposed to be doing, uh, instituting some of the ideas that I had and that kind of thing. And just really sitting down and, you know, I mean, his thing is he had money makers already. And, you know, you can get blinded when you're making big money with these people. You don't see that this is potential money over here, too. But, you know, he wasn't looking at that. Yeah. Uh, so, whatever. But, I mean, but our relationship, too cool. Right. But yeah, so I wasn't around got... Jerry long enough for him to, to, to fuck up my money. You know, so, yeah. you know. Yeah. It's like that. Yeah, so, Bumble, you got something you want to ask? Yeah, I wanted to know, uh, uh, since you was on the Niggas for Life album, when Q dropped that No Vaseline disc, like how was it like when how was you around when like everybody heard it and how how were they around? What the fuck? Man, we were at Cannons one night and uh I had I made the mistake of being in Cannons yeah. with my CPO coat on when No Vaseline was super popular. Okay, <laughs> so I'm sitting in front of the DJ booth and and uh, now, sorry, not Cannon, uh, not Cannon. No, 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 incorrect. We were at, uh, what's the name of that thing? Carolina West. We were at Carolina West. And um, I'm sitting in front of the DJ booth. My logo is gleaming off the black light, so you can't miss CPO. Right. And, you know, in the front, I got my coat on with real niggas and niggas for life. Yeah, and, you know. This fool puts on no Vaseline. I said, oh, my God, why, why, why? <laughs> because, because I don't give a fuck what nobody says. That song was, that's probably the foulest diss song in life. That, yeah, that yeah. song was, it just super hard. I was like, you, ooh, he did shit that. And, I mean, and he just did it on a funky-ass beat that you couldn't help but dance to. So right, the crowd right, was just. Popping and people are looking at me going, hey, what you gonna do? What the? What, what am I supposed to do? What do you want me to suck the DJ? So I mean, <laughs> yeah, I was around, <laughs> you know. But yeah, I, I, again, you know, just to, to watch the album like this, I go through this shit. 
That's the kind of shit that kept me out of the club for a minute. I was like, there's no fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was cool. I guess I'm going to get see one of us and then they're going to play that on. Come on. I'm good. I mean, I, I love the song. But if yeah, I'm in the yeah. club, you can best believe I'm getting, you can just play me going, oh, really? I will pack your ass on trip. So, <laughs> but, but yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was crazy. But, you know, the fun part about thinking about all that is when you look at those dudes, that's what hip hop was just, to me, just, it was gritty, grimy, pure, it was a shit. You yeah. know what I mean? It was like something you, you really strive for. It was, I mean, everybody had their thing. When you heard Q, you knew that was Q. When you heard NWA, you knew that was NWA. When yeah. you heard Q, you knew that was Snoop. Now I'm listening to myself going, who's that? Is that is yeah. about the football mixtape? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> and I mean, it's a trip because the majority of the cast that I know was that I'm I trying to who are truly tight. And I'm talking about this generation. You're not hearing those guys. You're not hearing those girls. Um, right. You're hearing, you know, what the industry is spitting out as a lot of cookie cutter artists. And I mean, my thing is they're suffocating the real artists that are out there who, who really need to be pushed and pushed. That's why whenever I come across somebody like that, you know, I do whatever I can to try and make people say, hey, listen to this dude, listen to this young lady, they're tight, you know. Yeah, The yeah. bullshit they're listening to, or, you know, spitting out is like this. Really? Seriously? That is not even music, dude. That's noise. Yeah. Right. So, you know. Yeah, so... What's your uh, what's your opinion about the straight out of Compton movie? Uh, from what perspective? Just, just from, from what perspective? Yeah, from from what you uh, experienced and saw firsthand versus what was portrayed in the, the movie. actual movie itself. I would say yeah. this, and it's, <clears throat> I would see this way, and this is this is pretty much the way I say it. Um, it was authentic enough. I'll put it to you that way. It was certainly authentic enough. Um, you know, movies are going to be embellished here and there, but I mean, I would say that the core, everything you saw to the core of it all, yeah. I really, I really enjoyed the movie. I really enjoyed. I was more than and more than that. I think for me, I remember hearing that whole album as a as a tape that the world had not heard yet. I'm just sitting on the corner with Ray and Shane Corner. They was always rapping on and standing around. He's like, dude, we finished the album. You want to hear it? And I was like this. Yeah. I just happened yeah. to be riding my house one day. He was like, just come to listen to the album. And he got a big-ass radio, and we just sat there for the entire tape, listened to everything. I was like, nigga, that's going to blow up. 30 years later, I'm looking at it being portrayed on screen and then being portrayed on screen. I'm like this. Wow. That's cool. And then I'm looking at him in a rock and roll hall of fame. I mean, for me, I think it was just that whole phenomenon of I cannot believe that this is what it is. You know, it would yeah. it's become what it's become. Uh, and uh, I, I, I really wish that uh, Easy was around to see the kind of love that he and that whole group gets literally globally, globally. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's and uh, and it's it's so cool to watch that. And then you know, I'm looking at uh, you know his sons and daughters, and you know they're not only carrying his legacy, but they're forging their own path. And so um, I'm I'm just watching this whole thing unfold, and it's still unfolding. And so yeah. that's how I see Shredder Compton. But as the movie is concerned, yeah, it was it was it was 
It was really, you know, it really was. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I mean, should they have had more of this or more of that? Of course. I really wish that this has nothing to do with me. I mean, a lot of people were hitting me like, you know, why weren't you, why, why, why weren't they talking about you? Well, shit, I wasn't in NWA, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, yeah. But they were like, you know, if they had spoken more about Ren and what occurred with Ren, then, yeah, there's a very strong likelihood that they might have said something about me, too. But yeah. I didn't give a damn about that. I wanted more said about him, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it was this big thing of how much Cube had done, and Cube did do a lot. He did. Uh, and so did DLC. But, you know, people pretend or act like, or maybe don't know that Ren's behind a whole lot of them lyrics, a lot of that shit. And, yeah, yeah. you know, he's literally not getting the, 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 the pub that he deserves. Not getting right. it. And uh, that hurts the shit out of me, you know. So that's about the part of, of that movie that I was like, yeah, this right here, this could have been more expounded upon. This should have been more, you know, explored. Right. You right. Know, right. So that's how I see that. So, uh, thank you. You got something you want to ask? Do we? No, I, uh, no, nah, I will hurt the host. Thank you. Okay, well, uh, I think, well, uh, uh, she's not on. Uh, so what, what, what you got going on nowadays, boss? Well, right now, I am, well, I, I have, uh, I recently put, well, not recently, a, a little bit ago, I put out three singles, Big Boogie, Your Body is Hot, and so called Super Gangster that I did with um, Slipper Bone, the same cat I did the eulogy with, or murder was the case. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. And yeah. so, you know, just to get some stuff spinning out there, and, uh, you know, people really took to those cuts, so that's that was kind of my template as to what I want to do with this album, so... You know, honestly, people ask, you know, when is the album coming, when is the album coming? And to be honest with you, truthfully, the album was already done. Uh, I I had finished it, but when I listened to it, I was like, mm, no, no, I want something else. I want something, I need something a little more grimy here and there. Uh, right. And I probably got that whole perfectionism thing from Dre. You know, like, right, right. I, I watched him with shit and it's just super bomb. He's like, no, no, it's not right. It's not right, nigga. You better put that platinum shit out. <laughs> but, you know, <clears throat> I got that whole, no, no, no. I, I want to do this. I want some more gangster shit. I want tracks like this. And so I decided to um, to remove a few of the songs and, and write a couple of new ones. So, yeah, eyeballs will be coming much sooner than later. Uh oh. I don't have a release date. I hate putting out release dates because you never know what's going to happen on that date. Yeah, uh, yeah. But so we're doing the Eyeballs album. And aside from that, somehow uh, I've I really gotten back into my writing. Because, you know, I, I write. I write, you know, um, science fiction, fantasy, horror, shit like that. And lately I've been writing short stories and dropping them on Facebook. Like I one called Raised and Fused, Little Ghetto Boy. And, um, uh, you know, who's the man with the master plan with the get a board part two. Yeah, yeah. And if you go on Facebook and read those, people are like tripping off the fact that, you know, I, I didn't expect people to say, you know, you used to write a book. I did not expect to hear that. But right. apparently that's what's happening and that's that's cool. I'm I, and I've decided that maybe I should go that route because I didn't want to rap anymore. I didn't want to right. 
uh, writing is my life. That's my love. I love writing, not music so much. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we'll go ahead and do this project, and then uh, I already have some people working on a, uh, a book of poems and essays, a collection for me. Yeah. And, and I think people do want me to kind of do what they call a, a Battle of a Menace or a Journey of a Menace. So I'm working on that book. So, yeah, stuff like that. That's cool. That's cool, man. That's cool. Yeah, so, uh, man, I appreciate the... Uh, Appreciate the backstory, man, and uh, and there you oh, have it. Oh no, man, I appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks a lot, I appreciate yeah. it. Really cool, yes, yeah, sir, yes, sir. And there you have it. Another hip hop backstory told by another hip hop legend. Bought to you by Graffiti Talk Radio. We didn't talk about it because it didn't happen yet. May old school hip hop live forever. Peace. Indeed.